0: Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. Uh, I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Good morning. How is the 11 a.m. crowd doing this morning? All right, it's going to be a good Sunday. All right, all right. You excited for a little Labor Day action? Any, uh, any swim parties going on? Any, any burgers being cooked up? Hot dogs? Come on now. Anybody, anybody have some plans today? All right, all right. Well, the preacher is going to make it quick because I have plans today. And it's fantasy football day, and I have a title to defend. That is it. How many of you know this is the best time of year? This is draft day. This is Fantasy Football Draft Day, and this is what you're playing for right here, right? This is, this is our tournament. How many of you know your league's a big deal when, you're, when, you're, when your tournament trophy gets passed around to all the guys? But since I was the 2020 winner, you got to come take this from me, any of these guys. So any, who's ready for football this year? Some of us. There we go, right? It's kind of cool, right? We got to get you in the league, over there, right? Well, this morning, we are continuing our series in heaven, and how many of you know it's been a challenging series. Uh, ha- have you been encouraged? Have you been challenged? Has the Holy Spirit even sometimes, um, I notice that it's the Holy Spirit's job sometimes to convict us. And so I hope during this series it's been a little bit of, of all the above, so to speak. Well, we are jumping off from last week. We, we heard from the Apostle Paul. And we're going to start off with this scripture we left off with last week. How many of you know it's not often that Paul cannot adequately, adequately describe something. When we talk about the Apostle Paul, the, the greatest missionary the world has ever seen, uh, probably one of the greatest communicators there has ever been, probably without a doubt the, the greatest writer. He, he has written most of the New Testament letters. Right, The Apostle Paul is, is a wordsmith and a genius, and when he speaks about what he experienced, what God showed him in heaven... Paul doesn't have the words to adequately communicate what it is we are going to experience. If you have a Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, would you open it up? And then go ahead, after we finish with this scripture, just jump all the way to the back to Revelation chapter 21. And we are going to hang out in Revelation chapter 21 for the day. Is that okay with everybody? Well, let's look at what Paul says About this experience that he had in heaven. Verse 4 of chapter 12, 2 Corinthians, that I was caught up in paradise and I heard things so astounding they cannot be expressed in words. Things that no human is allowed to tell. This series on heaven is a challenging subject because, quite frankly, no matter what we talk about, no matter how well, We try to communicate it on a Sunday during this series. Uh, We will fail miserably to adequately express just how amazing God's creation, what God is preparing for those that love Him. It is impossible, impossible to, to really, really grasp all of it. But our prayer is that through Scripture, maybe we just get a little glimpse of what God has prepared for those that call Jesus King. Amen? Luke, would you bring this down a little bit? I feel like it's, I don't know, it just started to get a little hiss on there. But when we talk about heaven, think of Genesis chapter 1 for just a moment. And Genesis chapter 2, what God had in mind when he created the world, we see his intent. I think even for earth, we see his plan, we see his intent for us as laid out in that perfection that was the, the garden. And we see, as we get through scripture, how sin, no doubt, interrupted God's plan. How, how how our sin, our choices, interrupted what God had created to be perfect. Every time, you know, I think it's interesting, even if I'm, I'm talking about something as silly as fantasy football. Or how many of us, is anybody in here that loves taking their family to, to Disneyland? Is there anyone who loves to eat out or to cook or what is maybe like snow skiing whatever your jam is whatever your hobby is isn't it interesting that everything we enjoy here in this life on this earth we enjoy it but that enjoyment eventually comes to an end because we have to move on or that enjoyment comes to an end because something breaks or we physically aren't able to enjoy it anymore but eventually that which we enjoy, maybe it's even our relationships as our kids get older and we release them, right? All these things that, that, that we are blessed to enjoy on this earth eventually change a little bit or they even sometimes stop. That enjoyment comes to an end. It's a season. But in heaven, we're going to talk about a place where that enjoyment will never end because the Bible says that there's no curse in heaven, The Bible says that heaven is that place where there will be no more sin. And better yet, we won't have to deal with the effects of sin. If you have your sermon notes this morning, would you open them up? And if you have your smartphone, would you begin to take some notes? Revelation chapter 21, we're going to start in verse 5. It says this. The one seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. Would you underline that? Would you circle that in your notes this morning? Would you circle these two words? Everything new. Look, I am making everything new. Our our minds, I can't even comprehend all of the things that God is going to do, that he is going to change, that he is going to transform. When this says, it says, look, I am making everything new because the curse of sin in our lives, and our homes, it will be lifted Heaven. Would you write this down in your notes this morning before we get to number one? Heaven is experiencing God's perfection for eternity. Heaven is experiencing its experiencing God's perfection forever. Turn to someone on your left and say forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, right? I think that was a song, forever and ever. I don't even know. What will heaven be like what will our home in heaven look like well that's what we spoke about last week what will our home in heaven look like this week the the sermon title is going to be called our life in heaven what will our life in heaven look like would you write this down number one well here's the first thing we can we can get a glimpse of we can try to grasp this reality from scripture number one in heaven i, I think this is going to be amazing you We see all of the things God has created here for us to enjoy, right? Whether it's each other, whether it's nature, whether it's his creation. But in heaven, it will be even better. We will enjoy perfect beauty. Would you write that down? Number one, we will enjoy perfect beauty. Beyond what we can even comprehend, verse 1 and 2 of Revelation chapter 21. Would you read it with me? John writes this. He says, then I saw a new heaven... And a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I thought this was an interesting. This is an interesting part of scripture. I'm not going to focus on it too much. But I even think of this. Those of you that love the ocean, you might be a little out of luck. But I think, man, it could be kind of cool because in this new heaven, there won't be oceans that divide nations. Right? We will come together. Maybe there'll be some amazing lakes in heaven. Uh, I'm just, I'm just teasing. But verse 2, it says, Also I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. The Bible says that this new Jerusalem, it is the capital city of this new heaven. He he begins to describe this, this key city in Scripture, this new city coming down from heaven, and, and he is just... Can we say it like this? He is in total awe of God's creation when he begins to write this down. Would you underline and just like this week, if if you do some weekly devotion time, I'm telling you, sometimes we don't we don't like reading the book of Revelation because it can be a little confusing. It can be a little scary. But I'm telling you, if you have some time this week, read some of the details in Revelation chapter 21 about just the things that, that I mean he, he, he talks about everything from there will be jewels that are, are pure yet almost like transparent there will be new kinds of valuable things like Revelation chapter 21 it, it, it talks about every talk about making everything new my goodness chapter 21 says a whole lot but this New Jerusalem this capital city it will be unveiled and the Bible says it will be unlike anything you and I have ever seen it will be beyond anything we can ever imagine let's just try to grasp some of it here. Verse 15 to 18. Would you read it with me? The one who spoke with me, he had a golden measuring rod to measure the city. Its gates and its walls. The, the city is laid out in a square. And here we go. The length and the width. Turn to someone and say the length. That's like going this way and the width. Going this way. The length and the width are the same. He measured the city with a rod at 12,000 stadia. says its length, okay, its width, and now get this, it even says its height. Look at this city coming out from heaven. Its length, its width, and its height are all equal. Verse 17, then he measured its wall, 144 cubits. It's a wall like 144 cubits. Is this like 200? How high is this wall, right? 144 cubits, according to human measurement, which the angel used. Verse 18: the building material of its wall was jasper. And look at this. We're, we're talking about things that we can't even comprehend. And the city was pure gold, clear as glass. Pure gold as clear as glass. It's almost as if, look at this, God is making gold new, right? The guy He created gold. Why can't He do it, right? I mean, He's making even how many of us like our, our jewelry? Any, any jewelry people? Nothing wrong with that. How many of us like our bling, right? I always say, if there ain't no ring, it ain't no thing. Anybody? Did, right? No, don't, don't, don't take notes on that. All the dads in the house said amen, right? We're like, yeah, honey. Dads with daughters, right? But John says all of the people will enjoy God's new creation, this brilliant new creation. But remember, when we talk about heaven, he's just talking about this, this one city, He's talking about this is the new Jerusalem, the capital. He's saying this is the one place. Uh, does anybody here, I had no idea what this measurement means. You know, us, us Americans, like our we like to do our own thing when it comes to the metric system, right? Measurements and, and different things. Does anybody here know what this stadia term means? Well, if you didn't, I, I didn't either. I was looking it up this week. And when we're talking about this 12,000 stadia in length, in width, and height, here's the size of this term. 12,000 stadia is about 1,400 miles. How far, where, like, how far away is 1,400 miles from Las Vegas? Would that get us to like Texas or further, Oklahoma, somewhere, right? A stadia is 1,400 miles, and it's laid out in a square. Remember this? In length, in width, and then get this. It's 1,400 miles This is quite the city. This is quite the capital. This is unimaginable. This is, this makes the the capital city. I remember that scene out of Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Remember the the white city located on the wall? Like that to me was like the most amazing capital I've ever seen, right? This, this blows anything my mind can comprehend. Not counting the city. This capital of heaven would be 1,960,000 square Miles. How big is 1,960,000 square miles, you might be thinking, right? Well, put it this way, Los Angeles is 503 square miles. The city of Los Angeles is 503 square miles. Think of the amazing cities that maybe you've had the privilege to be able to uh, travel to for, for fun, for vacation, for work, whatever it might be but I I think of cities like New York. Has anybody here ever enjoyed New York? A little bit of like uh, that street with all the Broadway stuff, right? All the the Yankees are there. The Mets are there. I'm sorry if you're a Mets fan. The Jets are there. I'm really sorry if you're a Jets fan, right? I think of cities like Chicago. I remember when when I was younger, I, I remember I was shocked by the beauty of all that you could do on that street called Michigan Avenue. Has anybody ever done some shopping there? You probably went broke, right? It's right. It's like shopping at Caesars. It's crazy, right? I remember taking a boat out onto the lake and through the river and seeing the amazing skyline. All of the towers, the Wrigley Building, all of the different things that with all of the skills and the, the, the amazing men and women who helped design those cities, right? We think of uh, how amazing just a place like Chicago is with the, they've got theaters and restaurants and If you walk along the lake, they've got the culture, they've got the museums, they've got the the Scripps Aquarium, they've got all these different things. And it's just shocking to experience sometimes when you're like a a desert kid, right? We've got the strip, which is cool. We've got the adult Disneyland. But sometimes it's amazing to go to some of these places. But even in some of the most impressive cities that mankind has developed, when you look at 1,400 (laughs) miles in length, in width, and in height, we could say they are absolutely minuscule to what God has prepared for us. The Bible says in this new Jerusalem, there's nothing that can compare to it, a massive city. I mean, think of 1,400 miles straight up. Think of the amount of people you could have. Billions and billions of people could be housed Three gates on each side, the Bible says, with an angel standing guard at each gate. I think of if, if, if we need elevators, it's going to take a while. But maybe in our resurrected, like even when Jesus comes back and he, he appears before the disciples, it kind of seems like in Scripture, doesn't it? That his body almost has like supernatural capabilities the way it's written. He, he appears and then it seems like he is gone, Right. And I think, man, maybe that will be the case. Maybe we won't have to take stairs in heaven or take elevators in heaven. Because if you wanted to get to the top of God's city, if you wanted to get to the top floor of this new Jerusalem, your elevator would have to go up about 740,000 floors. Right? Are we grasping a little bit of what what, what God revealed to John through Scripture? And again, this new Jerusalem is just the capital city. The Bible says later in chapter 21, if you really want to read it this week and study it, it talks about there will be other nations brought into this city. It says there will be leaders and kings brought into this city. And if you have nations and if you have leaders and rulers and other people of authority, that means that you will have organizations, you'll have infrastructure, that means you're gonna have assignments and jobs and, and, and roles and authority figures. Look at verse 22 and 23. We're going to be in Revelation 21 the rest of the day. Is that okay? Turn to someone and say, yeah. All right, so just assume. Revelation 21. All right, we're in there. Look at verse 22. I did not see a temple in it. This is so cool to me. I didn't see a church building. (laughs) I didn't see a temple in it. You know why? It wasn't needed because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. Because the glory of God, he is so amazing, he is going to illuminate it. Oh, my goodness. And it says, and its lamp is the lamb. The Bible later in this chapter, it says the glory of nations is brought into this city. If we're bringing nations together, that means there's going to be different cultures. There's going to be different things to celebrate. There's going to be different things to do. All in this amazing new Jerusalem. So the first thing, would you write this down? And, and goodness, if you want to read more about the perfect beauty that exists, just read chapter 21 this week. I promise you, you're going to be blown away. But the first thing, would you write that down? We will enjoy perfect beauty. The second thing, what will my life in heaven be like? What will my life in heaven be like? Well, here, we will enjoy complete satisfaction. I think of that, I know it's cheesy, but how many of you remember that, that Mick Jagger song? Who, who doesn't remember it, right? But there is some, as much as like, hey, God bless them, they wrote a hit, and man, they could milk that bad boy forever. That's retirement plan, right? Write a song like that. I can't get no satisfaction, and you're you're good to go. But there is some truth to that. Like, have you ever had a day, no matter how good and, and no matter what season of life, maybe you're in a season where you're just in the prime, and it's just so many blessings are going on and different things. But no matter what, each of us can relate to a time or a season or a few weeks at school, Where it just, it feels like, man, you get home and you know you need to decompress. You know you need to rest. You know you you need to kind of recharge. But you just can't get your mind off of all the things that need to get done. You just can't get your mind off of all that needs to happen. Well, look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 6 and 7. Then he said to me, look at this. Would you underline this circle? These are my favorite words in this passage today. Underline circle. It is done. Finish that statement off for me. He said, it is what? Done. I am the Alpha. I am the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the, to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. It is done. So often in this life, it feels like we are never done, doesn't it? It feels like there is always the next project. If you're a student, it feels like school, there's always the next assignment. There's always the next paper that is due. There's always work orders to be filled, right? There is always something going on at work depending on man if, if we have a if what what your profession is, right? There's always car problems. How many of us never we never budget for car problems, right? We budget for car payments, we never budget for car problems. And it seems like they always arrive just at the right time or the wrong time. Somebody say amen, right? Sometimes, would you agree, it just feels like in this life, it seems like things are never done. I love the words in that verse. Verse 6, would you read it with me again? Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. In this new heaven, God says it's done. It, his His plan is carried out. His purposes are complete, right? Sin is removed. And this redemption of God's creation, the redemption of us, this redemption story is going to be completed. Sin will be removed. Each of us, I think, have a desire. And I think it's something God put in us Uh a desire to maybe not so much be known, but a desire to make a lasting impact. Would you agree with that this morning? A desire to maybe pass something on, um, a desire to live a life, maybe to our family, a life of significance, a, a life that matters, a life that you, you poured your life into someone or some, your family into a situation. I think God gives us, it's a, it's a God-given thirst to want to do that. You know, the interesting about our sin culture and about our world, the world will market to that emotion, right? The world will spend billions of dollars marketing to, to, for, that, for that God-given thirst of impact, wanting you to, to feel significant with stuff or things. If you were here last Sunday, I know I mentioned how we all love new things, don't we? Would anybody say they don't like it could be a toothbrush. Who likes a new toothbrush? Come on. Right? Or an automatic toothbrush. How about some new socks? Absolutely, right? A new a, a new brush, right? If you if you're a, if, if you're a dad of daughters, how much how does so much stuff get in a brush? Right? Like you brush their hair and there's these like things in it, like dust bunnies or something. What is that? right? Guilty laughter back there, right? I don't understand how it happens. But how many of you agree it could be a brush? We love new stuff. How about a new car, right? Think of this process like we love something new. Maybe some of you hear the accomplishment, and it could be a car that was a couple years used, but maybe you drive a car that's like a 2015, a 2016, or, or newer. Maybe, I want to think about this process for a moment. The accomplishment it is, it's a pretty cool feeling, Right? You, you save your money, you do your homework, you investigate what it is you like, what your eyeballs like, to see what you want to drive in if you can, right? You save, think about this process, you go to that, that car dealership, man, you, you work a deal with the car person because any good car salesman's going to make you feel like you got a great deal, even though we rarely do, right? You're like, oh, I believe it, I believe he was a good one, <laughs> sure, right? But the accomplishment, you think of it, you make that purchase, you you sign the paperwork, they give you those keys. And when that happens, there is this feeling of accomplishment. There is this feeling where you wanna show your friends, you wanna show your family, and you should show your friends, and you should show your family, and you should be proud because it's a blessing. And maybe you've worked hard for it, right? It's a cool thing. But I always think it's interesting using this newness as an example a certain amount of or a short amount of time begins to pass by and i always think it's interesting right that new car smell begins to wear off right you begin to realize that <laughs> it's after a while it's just something i need to make sure I, may, I i have to maintain this i have to care for it after a while you begin to realize like yes it's amazing and i should celebrate it's something i need But after a while, that that luster has worn off because you also realize, like, I have to pay for it. Right. So it's like we love new stuff. But this the satisfaction that we have on this earth, can we say it like this? Whether it's a family situation, whether whatever blessing it is, that satisfaction eventually will be in some way short lived. Right? You think of, I, I've known people that they're married 40, 50 years, but really, even when it comes to marriage, right, eventually, if you do it right, eventually, you, you, that covenant relationship, at some point on this earth, unless we get a notebook type ending, one of us will be saying goodbye to the other, right? That's the reality of that blessing that is marriage, right? We're happy, and, and it's a blessing, for a while, and it could be something as big as that, or it could be, man, even think of like a a short-term vacation. It's something about vacation that just feels so good, yet goes by too fast, right? Would you agree? It seems like everything we are blessed with on this earth, it has a expiration date, right? There has a moment where we won't get to experience that blessing or that person anymore, It's great that it makes us happy for a moment. It makes us happy for a season. But the thing we find out about life on this earth is that those seasons don't always last, do they? C.S. Lewis, he wrote about earthly pleasures, and he said that these earthly pleasures we have, they're never meant to satisfy us. They can only arouse us, arouse it to suggest the real thing. If that is so, he writes this. I must take care on one hand never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings. I think this is in your notes this morning if it's in your phone. Is, is it there? All oh, it is. So check that out. He says, I don't want to despise my earthly blessings. I don't ever want to be unthankful for my earthly blessings. But on the other hand, I've got to keep them in the right place. He says this. I never want to mistake them for something else of which they are only kind of a copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country. I must keep alive in myself the desire, what he's saying, the desire for eternity. I must keep alive in myself the desire for forever in God's presence. The Bible makes it clear that our thirsts, our accomplishments, our our blessings, they're never going to be completely quenched in this lifetime. Revelation 21 says, for the first time in this new heaven, in this new heaven, for the first time, you and I will be completely and totally, utterly satisfied. For the first time in your life, you will, (laughs) if there's mirrors in heaven, We'll be totally satisfied that. Could we say it like this? What, what, what I can't even like express what it would. You won't want to look like anyone else. Right? You always hear that. Like with, with, with people like, oh, I want that feature, I want that feature. I want, you won't want to be anyone else. For me, that means I won't, I won't want to look like Chris Hemsworth anymore. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Somebody, right? That would be that would be pretty cool. Be, our church would be massive, right? No, I'm kidding. Thor is preaching, right? But what does total satisfaction mean? It means you won't want to be anyone else. You won't want to look like anyone else. You won't desire to be anything else. Verse 3, he says, Then a loud voice from the throne came. Look, God's dwelling with humanity. He will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. You know why you will have complete satisfaction in heaven? You know why we, will be, we won't want to look like anyone else or be like anyone else? Because we will be with Him. We will be in His presence. We will be awestruck. We will be in a, a face-to-face relationship. The Bible says right there, you will be connected right there with the Lord your God. And when that happens, for the first time, we will experience satisfaction like we have never felt or seen before. Amen? Number three, what will life look like in heaven? If you've got a barbecue to get to, I want a high five today because you're going to get to it today, right? Number three, we will enjoy a place where sin does not exist. This almost feels like something I can't even begin to put into words or wrap my head around because we are inundated with the effects of sin, aren't we? It's, it's all around us, it's all consuming, it is everywhere. Can we say it like this? In heaven, the consequences of our sin will be no more. The consequences of our sin, they will be removed, and not just for you, but they're going to be removed for everyone. You know something that's so interesting, and, and I would say, man, if you are like under 30 or under 25 or under 20, what is so important that we stress in church is that no matter what you do, no matter what you what you decide, there is forgiveness for you. There is forgiveness for our actions. Jesus' blood covers us. There is grace offered through Jesus. And how many of us are thankful for that? But there is a truth. But, but I think sometimes we, we want to make sure we, we, we tell people that. And we want to make sure we love and we want to make sure we cover people. And we accept people. But there is also reality that on this earth, because of sin... There will always be consequences for that choice. Do you hear me, right? There will always be consequences for those decisions that we make. Yes, Jesus offers complete covering, complete forgiveness. But you know, we we need courts and we need policemen for a reason. We need people in authority for a reason, right? And it's to help us deal with sin, For the first time, we're going to enjoy a place where sin doesn't exist. Can you imagine not having to feel any, any, any shame? Can you imagine not having to feel any, any guilt because you're in the presence of God? Can you imagine a a world where people don't disappoint you anymore? Can you imagine a place where people don't, they don't disappoint you anymore? Right? There's there's no more betrayal. There's no more regrets. There's no more abuse. Look at this scripture, verse 4 and verse 5. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more. Because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new we'll enjoy a place where sin doesn't exist in this new heaven the bible says we will enjoy a place where greed doesn't exist right we live in a culture where hit movies greed is good was the whole theme of the movie right we live in a culture where man we, we we celebrate these things just in our we don't even have to look far we don't need to look at afghanistan to see murder do we in fact, like we saw it this week, there was a, a young student that left class, went out, murdered somebody, went back to class in Summerlin. The effects of sin are literally all around us. Imagine a place where there's no more murder, there's no more addictions, there's no more corruption, there's no more favoritism or prejudice or racism or poverty or people just being dishonest. You can't even, you don't even know, like, who to, what to trust anymore. Imagine a place. I watch our kids sometimes through the window out these back doors at recess during our school. We've got wonderful things happening, and you'll watch kids play. And from time to time, you can just see the way kids play together. And it's really quick to spot that kid who's left out. You ever do that, parents? Like, sometimes, right? Your kids don't. And it's really, it's really easy to identify The student, for whatever reason, maybe it's social awkwardness, whatever it is, it's easy to pick out that kid that it's just, it's just a little harder for them to get in the mix with everybody, right? The Bible says that in this place where where sin doesn't exist, I think of it even as something as simple for these little kids. It's a place where no kid gets picked last. I know that sounds silly and, and like youthful, but think about that for our little ones, like that that feeling that they experience when they begin to feel that emotion of people disappointing them, people making fun of them at a young age, right? A, a place where, goodness, not a single kid is, is left out or neglected. Think about the time and energy it takes to... I mean, you, could we say it like this? A place where we don't have to try to resist temptation. Sometimes, right? A place where, how many of us, like, sometimes we spend so much effort, like, these thoughts come through our mind, and it takes a little bit of energy to be like, whoa, 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 make sure that does not come out. Right? A place where, where like, God's plan, he says, it is done. It is done. The story of humanity is written. The story of redemption is completed. There's no more dealing with the consequences of sin. And then maybe for some of you here, 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 here's a truth that I think is so amazing. In heaven, you also won't deal with the consequences of someone else's sin. Maybe you grew up in a broken home. Maybe you grew up where you didn't even know your mom or your dad or why things ended a certain way or, 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 or somebody's decision how it affected you. When you had no control over the matter, but you were stuck with the consequences of someone's actions. Think of that. No more dealing with the consequences of someone else's sin that has impacted you. We'll get to worship God we're in a place where this sin doesn't exist. We won't need lawyers or courts or prisons or even. I'm sorry, I love our policemen, but you there won't be a job. I would think, right? because they're, they're, can you imagine a place where there's no more sin, right? There's, no, there's nobody breaking the rules. We'll get to worship God. Bible says, in all his glory. There was a, a film, and I think it, it was a quote that talked about how much pleasure God takes from us. And you know, how do we worship the Lord outside of, we, we talk about worship and automatically we think about like our automatically think about like our hour-long worship service, right? But there was this movie, it was an Oscar-winning movie called Chariots of Fire. It was the best picture in 1982. I went back yesterday, and I watched a little clip from it, and it's a story based on two British athletes that were competing at the 1924 Olympics. One of them, his name was Eric Liddell. He was a devout, devout Scottish Christian who runs for the glory of God. The other man, his name was in the in the movie, his name was Harold Abraham Abrahams, and he was an English Jew who ran to overcome prejudice. And there was a line in the movie talking about how much God delights in us. You know when you do a good job at work? Do you know when you minister to someone? that God delights in that type of worship. One of the great lines of this movie that, that Liddell says, he says, I believe God made me for a person, purpose. He says, I believe God made me for a purpose, but then he says, but he also made me fast. And he said this, he said, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. You know, for some of us, that might look like, you know what? God gave me the gift of gab, and I am a good salesperson. And when I do well, God is thrilled. Maybe some of you, man, maybe you're, a, you're, a, you're, a, you're in law enforcement. I, I was talking to Officer Mike earlier. And when you do a good job, <laughs> when you do a good job, God is pleased with that. worship for the king that's exactly what God desires doesn't have to be the worship that goes on here for an hour on Sundays but when we worship him it'll be all for his glory and can you imagine worshiping him in a place without sin but also imagine working for him in a place where there's no comparison imagine working with God in a place where everyone has pure motives That's what, like, right? Without sin, pure motives, worshiping the king. You know what's interesting? In heaven, we're going to do what we're passionate about. You're going to do what you're gifted to do. And you're going to do it with clean motives. You're going to do it without comparison. And you're going to do it for the king. And when we worship God, in that manner you know it's actually the it's actually the same thing he desires from us right now is to not worry about all the things going on out there not trying to solve all the world's problems because how many of you know there are a whole lot of problems but what he desires us today from us today is to worship him in spirit and truth what he desires from us is, I, I, think, I think he doesn't desire for us to fight for all of our rights. I don't think he desires for us to share all of our, our, our uh, educational opinions, our political opinions, our medical opinions, all these different things, right? But you know one thing I know he desires from us, and that is to share the heart and to show the love of Christ to people as an act of worship. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and God, we we ask that you would encourage each of us. Maybe even some of us, God, we ask that you would encourage or even convict. Convict us through your promises, through your scripture, Lord. God, convict in us. Maybe give us more confidence, Lord, about this home you're preparing for us. Help us, God, to live out our lives being sacrifices to you. So, if it's no matter what I do in the workplace, God, my life, I'm, I'm called to be a sacrifice for you. So, when we go to work, when we do a good job, when we honor people, when we love people, when we get promoted, whatever it is, God, help us remember how we honor you. That is a life full of worship help us to remember that we are to to live our lives of worship maybe you're here this morning and you're just getting tired you feel like there's there's always this list of things to do maybe you feel like man you are always serving your family you are always serving your kids i I just pray god would you remind us that serving our kids is worship God, would you remind us that honoring our wives and serving our wives is worship. Honoring our husbands is worship. When you generously bless somebody financially or you take someone to lunch, as simple as, you know what, I got your meal, I love you. That is an act of worship and God is so pleased. That is living a life of worship. That's like, man. Man. Buy someone a meal, I feel his presence. Just like that guy said in that movie I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also put money in my bank account. (laughs) And so I feel his pleasure when I buy someone lunch, when I bless someone. That's a lifestyle of worship. Because those are the same things we're going to be doing and living out in heaven. We're going we're to serve God. We're going to serve you. We're going to use our gifts to serve you. We're going to be useful to others. We're going to be useful to God. We aren't going to lie around in heaven on a hammock drinking Mai Tais on the beach or robes and playing harps. But, God, we're going to be serving and using gifts for eternity. But in eternity, Lord, we thank you that you promise that we will have life to the fullest that we will have life God that is absent from sin God we will, we will have a place where the effects of sin and death and the curse are no more God we thank you that we will be completely satisfied for the first time when we see you face to face that you will light up the whole city and God we thank you we thank you that It will be so beautiful. It will be so amazing that we can't even begin to comprehend it. But God, you've given us glimmers here on this earth. You've given us a glimpse. And God, may that glimpse encourage us in our hope for eternity. God, remind us and strengthen our hope for eternity. Because what we believe about eternity determines forever. And it determines how we live today. In Jesus' holy name, can all God's people say amen? Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.